competing at a combined weight of 405 pounds. They are the reigning, defending, undisputed racing dudes, triple crown champions of the world, the Magic. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 438, Mr. Samich. Huzzah! We're back at Gulfstream Park. Uh, feeling better about this card than last week with the Pegasus World Cup card. One of the hardest we've ever seen with the Big Dave Racing. It's a little bit easier this time around. Yeah, no, it, uh, that when you have monster fields with uh, lukewarm favorites from an outside post, it's difficult sometimes, especially if uh, you throw the wrong dart here or there. But this one's much more interesting in my mind from a... Uh, diving into a perspective i actually usually like weekday racing more than i generally like saturday racing or friday and sunday racing because i like the all different types of levels and all that action uh in this card you get a little bit more of that than we did last saturday the uh not necessarily the sequence though we do have four of the five are graded stakes races but it's a different setup here we've got uh all races for straight three-year-olds in this sequence the late pick five at Gulfstream on saturday february 4th kicks off with an allowance Optional claimer that could definitely produce one or two Kentucky Derby Trail contenders. And then we got two, or like I said, four straight stakes, two of them turf, uh, all two turns. So it's going to be, well, actually, I take that back. The I always forget the four gal is still a sprint. Uh, but we got Oaks and Derby preps going. Uh, the only Derby prep that matters this weekend now. Yeah, yeah. The tough news about Aqueduct, obviously closing up there. But you want some great news? Sam Houston, hey, baby. Oh, We're back. Tomorrow night. Yeah, we, uh, it's tomorrow afternoon. That's tomorrow afternoon. They, so... Because of the ruling, they moved all their post times to 1 p.m. They actually already announced they're going to reassess the post time. So I'm hoping that means they're going to move all their post times back to 7 o'clock like they had before, which means we get some excellent night thoroughbred action. Uh, so we might have to go live for one of these Sam Houston nights if that's the case, because you know how much I love me some Sam Houston. Uh, congrats to Nick Feldman in the chat. Just hit a pick three at uh, Gulfstream. The cost $8. He paid a dollar for it. Paid out fourteen hundred. That's a pretty good return. It's a good ROI. I like the good vibes going into this show, Nick. Uh, it's good to hear that you got that. I don't know what race he's talking about. The Paco got the nose over Irad, but that doesn't happen very often. Pretty much all of them today. I think Paco had a day, man. He won the last. Uh, he won one other one. I think the. I think he might have been on the five. Actually, yeah, he was on the five that won uh, the fifth race today at seventeen to one. So I'm sure that was part of the uh, the pick three there. All right, Mike, let's get into it. we got a big show. All three-year-old races here at Gulfstream Park, including four stakes. to be a lot of fun. Riders up! All right, Mike, kicking off the first leg of the late pick five at Goldstream Park. Saturday, February 4th, race eight. It's a one-turn dirt mile for seven three-year-olds at the N1X allowance level. Two Pletchers in here bookending the field. You've got the $1.3 million purchase. Tap it Trice on the rail. Second choice at nine to five. We're both singling the eight to five morning line favorite, the seven, Shesterkin. Talk to me about this boy. Way to bury the lead there, Magic. Uh, yeah, look, I think Tap it Thrice is probably a better horse over the course of this year. However, when you are going one turn at Gulfstream at a mile, you need to be somewhat close to the pace. And Tappet Thrice has not been somewhat close to the pace in his two starts, both at Aqueduct, both going this one turn mile distance. 
The win last time gets a monster buyer, but does it in the slop. The time comes back at 139, so not a great time with an off surface. Not really any other speed in here besides the seven Shesterkin. So we're in a situation where the clearly the two best horses in the race have completely opposite styles, and it's ideal for one and a negative for the other on a track that plays toward the ideal style. It's hard to go too deep in this spot because they're setting eight to five and nine to five on the board. It's hard to really use anyone else. So for me, I'm going to single one of the two, and I'm going to single the speed at, at Gulfstream going a mile versus the horse that's going to come from way out of it. Well, just circuit, you know, is, is stepping up for you. Just had the maiden win, but he's got the edge on Tappet Trice, and that he's got to run over the track. Tappet Trice uh, started twice. It is worth noting for Tappet Trice, the horse that he just beat to uh, break the maiden was Slip Mahoney, who not only broke his maiden next out, uh, but did it so very impressive. I think he got like an 87 or a very high 80s uh, buyer for his win as well. So, you know, came back out of that, and they were clearly the two best horses in that race, but. Which is Sturkin, that seven furlong race, man, he looks, first of all, he was on the front end and he was inside, set a quick pressured pace. Uh, the pressure fell off at about the quarter pole and then the horse that ends up finishing second case, he shot through and kind of, you know, looked like he might go by on the inside and they brushed for a second and it seemed like Sturkin was like, oh, hell no. And just like took off from there. Wasn't really being asked for his best either to, to get it done. Clearly a one-turn mile well within his range because he, the way he just kept going. There's less pace pressure in this race than there was in the maiden special weight. So I'm with you. It, now let, let me put this uh, put this question to you. I almost was going to go too deep here, and it wasn't to use tap at Trice. If the seven doesn't get the job done, is there an upset outside of the Pletcher Barn? The logical one would be the three especially since I was able to win from off the pace, but that was made an optional claiming fifties. It would need to take a step up here. Um, if you wanted to get nutty and I don't know, <laughs> but that's uh, maybe, maybe the six is the nutty price, maybe the five, but I would, I would probably use the five or the six or the seven. If I was going to try and go too deep here um, versus, cause I, I don't, I think the three has, has it's work cut out for him because you're going to have to try and chase the seven early. And I don't think that's a winning move. So it would be someone right behind the speed, but not the deep closer. And that would point toward either the five or the six. Yeah, the three was probably the one I was going to go with. And now, especially seeing that that one's the third choice at seven to two, and then it's 12 to one or higher for everyone else. Even there, I don't think there's enough value. And we both really like Shesterkin, who's a son of uh, what sire, Mike? Violence. That's great. Yeah, we're both on Shisterkin here. Um, if you want a full in-depth preview about how to bet this race, it just premiered earlier this afternoon over your uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash racing dudes. Vinny Blonde from Real Dynasty Picks hopped on and gave his thoughts on this race as well. And uh, he likes the six underneath. I'll tell you that one. If you're looking for a price play, that was uh, where he was going to end up going. Uh, let's move on, Mike. Second leg now, the late pick five at Gulfstream Park, Saturday, February 4th, race nine. The grade three kittens joy stakes for eight Three-year-olds, all Colts, going a mile in the 16th on the turf. Four of the top five finishers from the local prep for this race, the Dania Beach. They're back here. Where are you going on top? I went with the winner of the Dania Beach. I went with Candidate, the one on top, uh, who has a great shot of taking this field gate to wire. The only real pace, pace pressure would come from the six, Dude in Colorado. Um, however, Dude in Colorado is coming off a synthetic race and probably a step slower and drew to the outside, which I think is the key here for who's going to get the lead into that first turn. I don't think this is a slam dunk with Candidate, though. He was able to be pretty comfortable in that win. Uh, so I, I am guessing he's facing a little more pressure here. So I'm going to spread a little bit in this spot. Um, but I do have the one on top. What about yourself? Uh, I did use him here. And it's one of those things. It's like we, we poo-pooed his chances in the Dania Beach because we're like, look, there's so much other speed in here. Uh, based off the time form early pace figures, which are not a set-in-stone rule, 
it didn't matter. He took off and, and then it was, you know, he's also shown that he can sit off and, and actually pass a horse as well. And that if, you know, if you're worried about Duke and Colorado in here, uh, possibly bothering him on the front end, it almost feels like he's a rabbit enter to go in here, even though he's not coming off of sprint races. But uh, yeah, I use the, the candidate was number uh, was number two up for me. Uh, we do have an agreement, but my actual top pick is number five lights of Broadway for Mark Cassie. Uh, don't know anything about the jockey. I'll say that first and foremost. Morelos, you might be fantastic. I don't know who you are. I apologize. But this horse was uh, one, two straight routes over the synthetic, including the armed forces stakes at age two. Took four months off, came back in the pulpit, and you know missed a work two weeks before the race. We saw that hurt Arctic arrogance for uh, for the uh, Jerome Stakes last time out. Uh, but Lights of Broadway ran a pretty good second to Ari Gold. That horse went gate to wire, got away with walking the dog early. So he was up against it from a pace perspective. Second off the layoff, I think he's going to get a perfect trip right behind this speed, whether it's the one and the six, uh, possibly just the one uh, going up there. If the one falters for news, if the six wears him down, I think Lights of Broadway and the four major dude, who we also both used, um, I think they're the first ones to get jump on him. So I think that the five is going to have as good a chance as the four at a much better price. I didn't use the five. Um, I am using the seven congruent who is coming out of that same race. You mentioned this was the horse I stabled up because of the trip for congruent out of that race. I thought he got a much worse trip than lights of Broadway did and was able to run on for third ran back once already. Wasn't wonderful. So a little concern here, but I, they, they, the pace that we thought would materialize in that race did never did materialize. You mentioned there was a ton of pace on paper, but it ended up candidate was able to walk the dog. I actually think there's more likely to be a pace duel here with dude in Colorado and candidate than there was in that race or what we saw from a pace in that race. And if that sets up and congruent doesn't miss the break again for the third time in a row, <laughs> I think congruent is the better horse coming out of that race with lights of Broadway. And I think you're going to end up with a better price. we got five to one on the morning line right now. That's going to float up. I'd be surprised if congruent doesn't go off at eight or nine to one here. Cause I do think major dude takes a major amount of money. I think lights of Broadway probably gets bet more than congruent does. And I, I expect Canada to get bet as well. So I think we get a better price on congruent today. Hopefully that floats up to eight to one. And I, I think the race that you're refer referencing to there when they faced each other, Lights of Broadway's trip was significantly better than Congruence. Uh, we both used the four major dude. That was the third horse, uh, at least on the ticket for me. Um, it is a five to two favorite, but uh, correctly was against him. The Dania Beach Stakes didn't have candidate, so that didn't really matter. But uh, I really thought that that was the race to try and beat him after the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf when he just looked really rough and he was coming off of the uh, the two-month break there. Now he's got that race under himself, and I thought that that race in the Dania Beach, Mike, was good enough to play him here, and maybe that last out loss to candidate will help us get a lot better than even money that he was last time. Yeah, I, we'll see what happens here from a price perspective. I, I doubt you're going to see even money. I would expect to see something closer to like 8 to 5 and candidate down at 5 to 2, somewhere in that range for both of them. I think they take the majority of the money in this spot. You got to respect Major Dude here. Um, I, I, he is a deserving favorite if you believe that he can flip the script here on Candidate, which I think is probably, you know, you expect a step forward. And if there is a step forward there, it's going to be tough for Candidate to hold him off, especially if Dude in Colorado does end up pressing him. So I, I think Major Dude's one of those you have to use if you are spreading it all here. And if you, if you want Major Dude on top, I wouldn't argue with someone aggressively singling here. You're muted. Dude in Colorado, you you briefly touched on was who you're going to end up using here. Do you want to talk a little bit more about his chances? Yeah, this is an angle I've been playing at Gulfstream uh, since the start of the meet. I've mentioned it five or six times on this show before. But when a horse wires a field on synthetic and goes a decent clip, and this horse went sub 48 to the half, which is fast on that synthetic track, and is able to hold on and win, I am very interested in that horse coming back on turf next time out because you're going from a 
track where the speed is disadvantageous to a track where speed is a huge edge. And that is exactly what the sixth dude in Colorado is doing here. Luis Saez is a really aggressive rider. I'll be interested to see if he decides to try and clear candidate. Cause if he can clear candidate in the first turn, this pace is going to get back down a little bit because candidates not going to try and wheel too wide after the turn and try and loop around him. I wouldn't be shocked if that's the plan for size, especially since major dudes in here for Pletcher as well. So you have a horse that wants to come from a little bit off it. Dude in Colorado injecting some pace into this race makes a ton of sense from a barn perspective. And like I said, Saez on board means you're going to see an aggressive ride. I, I love the fact that Saez is on this horse because I think it shows the intention to just blind send. Also like the fact that they debuted Dude in Colorado on the turf at Backwoodock. Ran a pretty good third in that spot. Uh, the, the horse that ran second, uh, CS Magnifique, came back to win next time out. Also note that that, that break out of, the, out of the synthetic was out of the 11 post. So he had to clear 10 horses to be able to get to the rail and go gate to wire. He clearly has the early speed to get loose. If he's able to outbreak candidate and beat him to the turn, I think Dude in Colorado is a shot at taking this field gate to wire. Uh, one horse I want to bring up the uh, the chat seems to have a little bit of love for is the three moon cat. I wasn't really impressed with the horses that he beat. Forget this, the speed figure last time out, but he's also going straight from a maiden special weight uh, up to a grade three race. And this isn't like, you know, a light field. You've got a Breeders' Cup horse, a grade two winner in here. You've got another stakes winner in Lights of Broadway. You've got uh, another stakes winner congruent with a uh, Bapio that we're not using. You know, this is a tougher field here. Do you have any love for the three? I don't. And I'd have to go back and watch that race, but I believe there was an incident in that race as well. Um, that, well, I that, remember that uh, Justin's legacy that was the runner up there was bumping with horses coming off the turn. Um, the moon cat came from way off of it, making a big move around the turn. But uh, Justin's legacy, not a horse that, I mean, he was a $25,000 justified purchase. Like that's not usually a sign of a horse. that has got a lot of talent. Uh, it did take a lot of money. I think he was third choice in the race, but then Muta weed that was, Third, that was a Pletcher horse that was just terrible on dirt. And they've been like, well, maybe turf will be a little bit better for him. So uh, for me, I just wasn't impressed with who he faced, along with the fact that he's stepping up. And Chris Davis, you know, 0 for 17 with his last, uh, when a horse wins, going next out. And now you're trying to put him in a tough grade three. I just don't like it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough spot for him, especially with like where he's going to have to be coming from. Uh, you have to expect that he's better than congruent and major dude to be able to win. And I, I think that's a tall task to, to ask. Um, Suzak, the two horse, I think is a little bit interesting. I we should at least reference this one. It's second off the layoff for Grand Motion, mm -hmm. second time North America. So you'd expect some improvement. Uh, also came out of that Dania Beach that you mentioned, had a rough start, didn't really have an easy trip. Rosario kind of Rosarioed all over him. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Rosario's back on board again today, which is to me, it's it's tough to play Rosario horses right now. I'm going to do it a couple times in the sequence, but you really feel like you need to see uh, you need Rosario to have a, a, one of those days to really start getting behind his horses again. Yeah, this is a, in the Dania Beach, a horse that you liked and I passed on and I was worried about how he would be first time North America for Grand Motion. And yeah, it was a pretty worrisome ride all around. You'd expect some improvement, but um, I will let him beat me. The, his time form ratings overseas weren't uh, weren't too bad either. It would make him kind of fit, you know, if he takes a step forward here. So see what kind of a trip he ends up working out. Let's move on, Mike. The third leg of the late pick five at Goldstream Park on Saturday, February 4th. We've got the grade three forward gal stakes as a Kentucky Oaks prep race with 20 points to the winner. Uh, they're going seven furlongs, one turn on the dirt. So they'll stretch out as they get a little bit farther down uh, the trail here in Florida. But I got a question for you, Jackie Luis Saez. He's won this the last two years for two different trainers, Pletcher and Cox. He's here for Rusty Arnold on the eight red carpet ready. 
Is that where you went on top? No, it's not, but I did use the horse, so that's at least nice. Um, I went with the six Lynx on top here. Uh, this is a horse that was actually favored over atomically, two back at Gulfstream Park going a mile and the 16th. I'm concerned that Lynx, she's just not a two-turn horse. Um, and so that's why I think that there's kind of an advantage here to cutting back to this one-turn distance, lost to atomically going two turns. And Joel is due. He's due for a great <laughs> ride, and this is where we're going to get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope it, it, it is. Look, the, the first effort, the cash run, I thought was actually pretty good. First time not facing a restricted field. Ran fairly well behind Infinite Diamond and uh, Padma, who we'll talk about a little bit later here. Now we're getting second out for Carlos David, 21% on that angle. I like the cut back to the seven furlongs. I would argue probably the best race of this horse career really came at seven furlongs, uh, winning a $200,000 stakes, three back. A little concerned of all those restricted stakes, and now we're jumping all the way up to a grade three. But Carlos David can get numbers home, specifically at Gulfstream. I think the race sets up well for Lynx. I'm going to hope that the second off the layoff, cutting back a little bit here is what Lynx wants to do. He can get it done, but in graded stakes, he's 0 for 5. Uh, Carlos David, he's great with the Florida bread. I went against both of the Florida bread stakes winners in this spot. So it would make sense that if you used atomically, you'd use Lynx or vice versa. I didn't use either one of those because I'm not a fan of how they were looking against open company. With Lynx, she had that uh, effort last out in the cash run and... You know, what, what was her excuse there? She won three straight to start her career. Was she just rusty or was it the fact that she wasn't facing just straight Florida sired horses? So for me, I'm going to pass on both of them. Go she ahead. the race, man. First off a layoff. She's working better than before, after that race. Came out of it well. Come on. I'll pass. I'll let them. I'll let the Florida breads beat me here. Uh, we went completely different directions this race. So I'm going to start. I'm going to use the number seven undervalued asset, the Chad Brown maiden debut winner stepping up here uh, after a six furlong win at Aqueduct back in November. And yeah, you could sit here and go, it's Chad Brown. He's taking the maiden debut winner straight to a graded stakes on dirt for its second start. I ran the stats. Chad Brown's actually a 24% winner doing that. He's five for his last 21. What's his uh, ROI in those races? Well, you don't ask. Hang on. Now I've got to do this. Let me get through my point, And then when you talk, I'll go ahead and uh, figure out the math on DRF. But I watched the replay. She looked fantastic. Pressed a quick opening pace, kind of like what we saw with Shister can do. Came home fast, was eased up late, really not asked for a lot. There was a moment about halfway home in the stretch where I know she started getting a little green. The moment I rag corrected and was like, no, don't do that. Bad. And she just she responded. And that's when she really seemed to take off. Um, Dam was unraced. She's the first fall out of it. So you don't have any siblings to look at. But the Graham Dam was a four-time winner. Three of those were at nine furlongs. Three of those four wins were at nine furlongs. So distance should be no issue for her stretching out from six furlongs as well. All right, I'll figure out the ROI. You tell me why you didn't use undervalued asset. Well, because it's an overvalued asset. That's why. I mean, Chad Brown on the dirt, stepping up against winners for the first time. I mean, we talk about these horses that, that when they see it specifically in New York, you see it all the time. They're one of the best horses to fade long term. Undervalued assets going to get hammered with a capital H in this race. I mean, you're going to see like six to five, seven to five, somewhere in that range um, for a horse that has not faced this type of speed. Note that she went 2348. And I realized it was Aqueduct, the track's slower. I get that. But when 23.48, she's going to face big girl speed today. And so we're going to see how she's able to respond to that when she faces better horses, more speed up front, in a bigger field. I, just too many question marks for me to take a horse that's going to go off at sub two to one that I, I think should probably be five to one or so in this spot if you're looking for realistic odds. Uh, $1.26 ROI, by the way, you asked. Winning, winning 25% of the time and you lose 75 cents on every $2 bet. That seems like a great play. 
It, it really is an overvalued asset uh, overall, though. There, I, you know what? I, is the way this one ran, the way that her her breeding is set up, I, is what made me like her. But there, there are a lot of question marks. Seven to two, I think, is a good price. She was three to five, uh, just a tiny tick under four to five, but on debut there. But um, I read keeping the mount, all things that I like about her. But Chad Brown, a little cold right now at, at Gulfstream Park, just three for twenty-one. Lots of second places. Maybe we just get. Chad Brown, he just needs a little bit of racing luck. Uh, yeah. Where are you going for your next pick here? Chad Brown living a rough life, man. Uh, I, I got to say, the turf course probably not playing to his horses right now. To give him some benefit of the doubt here. Because you can't, you don't, like, there's not many Chad Browns. You're like, oh, he tries to wire the field all the time. He tries to train him to kick in the last last quarter of a mile. And that is not what you want to be doing on the turf course where he usually does uh, more of his damage. I would have went with Atomically in second. Because I think this is, I, I could make an argument that Tomkins is the best horse. The three and the six to me are the two must uses here. Uh, I, I thought that she ran very well. Shadi, I'm going to need you to do me a favor. When the three or the six wins this race, can you make a picture, if you draw one, of a horse beating up magic that says Florida bread? Because he said he'd let the horse beat him. Uh, I would appreciate that if this happens. Look, the, the race. Like, where are you going with it? That's a good one. That's a good one. You know, what can I say? Look, we all liked her in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly. And now you're not going to like her here in a much weaker race at a distance she probably likes a little bit more. Gervin had a very good freshman season. The races that you're talking about, they were all restricted. We're all with Jose Pinch as the trainer. Now Todd Pletcher is the trainer. Jose Ortiz picks up the mount. I'm surprised you're not using this horse. Jose picked it up because Luis Saez said, peace out. I'm going to go ride for Rusty Arnold, who's ice cold like Joel Rosario right now. Yeah, that's... Well, although, to be fair, Sai has jumped off the Pegasus World Cup winner last week. How'd that work out for him? Like, he's uh, not well because he's, he's a lot less rich than he could have been. Yeah. <laughs> he's just crying into his 160. Uh, same reason. My, my, my big argument against Atomically, you know, last month with Major Dude in the Dania Beach, there was a real like, you know, this is the spot to beat him. It's going to be first time off of a layoff. Excuse me, first time off a layoff, first time at three, facing some horses that are, are more in form at this moment. I'm not saying she's not going to be the best one to come out of this. She could be a great pick for. Uh, for the Kentucky Oaks show moving forward, but I didn't really think there was much of an issue in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies other than she looked tired and gassed about halfway through. Uh, she didn't need the lead to win her true, her true, yeah, wow, easy for me to say, her two-turn debut. Why was that so tough? Um, she sat off of it early and was able to, you know, capitalize halfway through the race. I just don't think it sets up for her off the layoff, and Jose Ortiz is a fine jockey, but he can't be Pletcher's first or second choice. You just look statistically how that's gone for him. You know, it's funny you say that because, I mean, Pletcher off the layoff is 24%, just like Chad Brown is with uh, Dirt Starters. You know what his ROI is, though? $2.26. You used like two of the things that I said. There were a lot of caveats in what I had said there. <laughs> now you're going to be a jackass. Now I'm going to go ahead and figure out the math for it. So hold on. Dirt. <laughs> boom. Oof. The math for what? Dollar twelve ROI five for twenty nine. He's worse than Chad Brown. Thank you very much. And what? At debut winners going to a graded stakes on dirt for their second career start, which is not what Atomically's doing. <laughs> so that's not any. You're the one that compared them. <laughs> which is not anyway relevant. Uh, all right, my third horse here. I'm going red carpet ready. Give me Sayas to go three years in a row here. I think red carpet ready might be the fastest horse. Uh, both those races at Churchill, I thought, were pretty impressive. Uh, it wins both of both of those starts, goes gate to wire in the first, uh, faces pace pressure in the second, able to sit right off it, stock and draw clear. I, I thought both of those were solid efforts. I don't see any issue with seven furlongs. Oscar performance is bad and better, going a mile than sprinting. I would be more concerned about the dirt with Oscar performance, except, hey, 
We're already two for two over the dirt. So at this point, I'm going to give credit to the, the dirt success here versus the breeding concern. Uh, I think the eight has a chance to take this field gate to wire, I think significantly faster than the seven. And when the eight starts kicking dirt in the seven's face, seven's just going to quit. I think you really, at, at, at some point, there needs to be like a, like, like Joel Rosario's getting a lot of slack because he's been riding the big races and not doing well. Rusty Arnold is is no better, and, and he's one for twenty eight in his graded stakes run. He's zero for forty seven with horses yep. coming off of similar layoffs like this. Like, there are a lot of stats <laughs> against him. It's really bad. But you're right. It's it's the, probably the fastest horse in the race. Saya's getting aboard. Should you know get a good break out of there? I just don't see it happening. I, I don't see this horse being able to get the job done. Um, let her beat me. One thing I will say for just just throwing it out there, and I'm not the over forty seven completely exists, and it's a very big concern. However, when horses win their debut, I am less concerned about horses first off the bench for that same trainer because it shows that that horse was essentially the longest longest layoff you'll ever have is until you run your first race, generally horse racing. And this horse was able to win that first time out. So I, I, I kind of reduce the first out trainer stats when I see a horse that's won off the bench. I am concerned that Rusty Arnold has not been wonderful in this spot, though. Uh, I'll go through mine too. Uh, next up for me, the number two twice is sweet at 10 to one. I was a little surprised by that. She's never been higher than five to one in her life, but uh, has never gone beyond six furlongs, but she is a candy ride filly out of a tap at mare stretching to seven really shouldn't be much of an issue here. She's been in the money four of her five starts. And last time out, she was fourth, but she was two noses away, a pair of noses away from finishing second. Uh, it's dazzling blue won the, the Latelier uh, by a strong gate to wire effort there. So this horse always shows up. She always has a good effort. She comes from off of the pace and like I said, the breeding to me says it should work in her favor. Gaffleon and Brendan Walsh do very well together, 16% at, at, uh, T uh, at Gulfstream Park. So um, I like that we've got that going for, you know, she was uh, second three back to Key of Life, who ended up winning a two on the thousand dollar stakes at Keeneland with the big buyer. So I think that she's got potential. I love that we intend to one on her. And then last for me, the number nine, Positano Sunset at nine to two here for Ian Wilkes and Julian Lepreau. Step up from the main special weight ranks, uh, facing winners for the first time in this spot. But you know, she debuted behind Pretty Mischievous, who's now three for four and the second favorite to win the Kentucky Oaks behind Hoosier Philly. Uh, Hoosier Philly, the only ho horse to beat Pretty Mischievous. And then you look two back. Oh, she was a rallying second. Who was the winner? Julia Shining. She went out and won the Demoiselle Stakes, a grade two race. Uh, she's the head full sister to Mal or half sister to Malathat. Um, you know, she's probably the third or fourth favorite in the, to win the Oaks. So the horses that are second and third or second and fourth in the Oaks right now or who was beating this horse, and then she gets away from them, and you know you see that really nice, impressive win at Churchill. Um, I like that Le Pru stays aboard. He, he he does you know pretty good for Ian Wilkes, fourteen percent when Wilkes is a ten percent trainer, so it's an improved it, it's an improved chance when you get Le Pru aboard. And with the seven and eight in here, I you know atomically, I think there's going to be a good chance of getting some value. I think she floats up from nine to two a little bit. I looked at the nine. That was actually my would be my fourth horse if I went four deep here. I didn't. I didn't really see it with the two. Uh, did you actually? Did you notice who finished third in the eights last race? Key of Life. Ah, ah. I, I, I like Key of Life. That's a good horse, isn't it? I heard someone told me two hundred thousand dollars stakes at Keeneland. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I looked at the nine quite a bit, and I, I kind of was down to the eight or the nine as my third horse on the race. I went with the eight because of the speed. Um, but it, I, I could completely understand someone wanting to use a nine here. Penultimate leg of the late pick five at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, February 4th. Race 11, the grade three, Swedish chance stakes. Nine three-year-old fillies going to mile on the 16th on the turf. 
And uh, by the time things were done, Mike, I had talked myself into five and a half of these horses making the ticket. And I thought, you know what? This is a good time to use the all button. So I did. Uh, but we can go through and talk about your horses first. Man, I don't want to hear about the the other half of that horse that was about to get left off. That would have been a rough day. Uh, I went with the one. Sweet Lou's got aces on the rail here uh, on top. Man, another Rosario. Uh, <laughs> I really liked the Teppan. I thought that was a great race from Sweet Lou's got aces. Uh, it was able to go gate to wire. It was nice first time stretching out around two turns to see her be able to get the lead from the rail. I like the fact that we were on the rail last time out. So we also have some experience over this rail break. Uh, they tried to push this horse early, went into the grade three matron second race out. Those are all the first three were all sprints, but they clearly thought highly of this horse, cut it back to a six furlong sprint at Aqueduct, got the win, came right back and rolled it into the $120,000 tap and got the win again, gate to wire that time. This horse has more speed than we saw last time. It just wasn't necessary. But when I go through this field, I'm not sure where the pressure is coming from. Uh, and so I, I think the one has a pretty easy trip into the first turn. And I think the one's loose by about a length around the first turn. And if that's the case on this track with a horse that probably has more in the tank than what we saw, I think Sweet Lou's got aces could be awfully tough up front. So after Lynx runs third uh, in the forward gal stakes, the second he gets off of that horse, trainer Ray Handel needs to be just standing there and you grab him and you shove him into the nearest empty room and you put the Teppan stakes on replay and you don't let him out until it's time to go get on Sweet Lou's Got Aces. You tell him, watch this race. This is what you do with this horse. You break from the rail, you go to the front, you stay in front. Don't if think I'm about anything else. Watch this on replay. Put the little uh, clockwork orange eye props in his eyes just to keep him like focused on that. This You cannot possibly screw this up, right? If I was Rosario's agent, I would play poker heads up with him every night after the races and just lose brutally every night and be like, oh, you got all the right moves, man. You're making every right move. I can't believe you're this good. You're incredible, Joel. Just to try and pump up that confidence. So he's aggressive like that on the racetrack as well. Uh, he was my top pick in here, too. Uh, where'd you go next? Man, not even, okay. All right. I went with a seven. Cairo concert here. Um, Pletcher Ortiz makes a ton of sense. Probably the best horse on paper if you completely take out uh, how the pace is going to set up here. Should sit a pretty good trip. I'm worried we're going to be two or three wide around the first turn or possibly that trip of death where you're just chasing the speed on the outside too wide, which is not a good trip at all at Gulfstream Park. Uh, didn't love what I saw before the ginger brew. This horse caused a lot of issues trying to go in the gate, kind of stumbled out of the gate. However, was still able to, to get the job done there. So you got to give her credit for that. If she take, she needs to take a step forward to win. And to me, that's that's the biggest concern I have here. Uh, her Natalma was, was good, ends up running second there, came back in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly Turf there, got a fourth place, but needs to improve off of all of these races to be able to run down uh, the one horse in here and Sweet Lou's got aces. So, I, one of those horses where, like, if I'm pressing here, I'm only playing the one. I'm trying to get through there with that. If I'm going to spread a little bit more on a 50-cent ticket, I already have a single inch of Sturk, and I can do that now. Um, I'm going to go three deep here, but I, I feel like you got to include Cairo, Cairo Consort on this ticket. Uh, yep, used her as well. Uh, originally, when I was five deep, I used her. Uh, you know, that, that went off the layoff. We both really liked her in that spot, and we said, just be ready for it. Uh, she got it done. I, you know, she had to work hard for it, but I think with, you know, the rust knocked off, Remember, they paid $875,000 for her after the Breeders' Cup. Like, they really think very highly of this horse and her chances. Um, Pletcher is as effusive with praise as Pletcher ever can be. He's, he's been pretty confident and or pretty happy with how she's been training um, moving forward. So that's a good sign. Uh, you said you went three deep. Who's the third one up for you? I went with a three horse. Malimu, 15 Malimu! here. Uh, first off, the name is incredible. So we'll definitely give it credit there. Secondly, this horse showed 
less than no speed last time out, which is in the way to while first time in North America over the Gulfstream Park turf course, uh, broke 11th of 11, just didn't even really want to start and then came flying around the turn into the lane, was seventh at the top of the lane, ends up finishing second. Uh, the horse clearly has kick. Um, there's not a ton of pace to chase in here, but if you look at the workouts since that, you can see a couple of them where he's trying to get more speed into this horse. I think Jack Sisterson's going to try and get Malimu a little bit closer to the pace. And the three post here is a great post for this horse because you're going to save ground in the first turn, no matter how you break here. So I think Malimu shows a little bit more speed. It's a little bit, I'm not saying like on the lead here. I'm saying like sixth or seventh instead of dead last. And if that's the case and Sweet Lou's got aces comes back at all, Malimu is going to try and make a big run here. I love the 15 to one or 10 to one price. You uh, you teased me a little bit when we previewed that race because I liked Mally Moo in the spot. And she she looked fantastic, uh, especially with that terrible break. I uh, was able to keep rushing. Now, second off the layoff, second time in North America. You're right. Just don't let her be so far behind this time. Don't get stuck so far back. Don't hesitate out of the gate. Uh, be a little more forwardly placed, and you've got a good, cha uh, good chance to improve. A um, couple other horses to, to talk about. I did like the five Alpha Bella for Todd Pletcher. Uh, coming off a main special weight win, but it was first time on turf. It was her career best buyer. Saez was aboard that day. Saez stays aboard. You know, it is a tough step up here. Uh, we say this a lot going from main special weight, excuse me, to the graded stakes ranks. But uh, the dam was a four-time winner. It was all turf routes, including a stakes at Del Mar. Um, interesting note, she and her siblings are combined 0 for 9 on dirt. She's the only one that ever hit the board, and she got second once. They're 10 for 52 on turf. Nine of those 10 were routes. So I think that she is bred <laughs> being by justified. I think she's bred to handle routing on turf. It just might be at this point a little bit too much for her. Um, you do have some tough horses in Cairo Consort, Sweet Lou's got aces, stakes winners that we've already talked about. Um, what about the eight? I, I saw some love in here from Nick Feldman. Actually, his top pick here, the eight. Heavenly Sunday it was another one I wanted to make sure I used too. Tyler Gaffleyon, five for his last 19, riding for Brad Cox. You think he'll have a ready off the break, and she's two for two, both by open links and turf routes. A big class jump up from the, the horseshoe for her debut to Keeneland, where she ran away 23 and three in the final quarter uh, in that race at Keeneland. So I think she's got a lot of power and, and a lot of uh, ability here. What did you not like about the eight? Uh, just the step up. Uh, to me, that was the biggest concern with the eight, although it should get a pretty good trip here. Again, it wants the same trip as Cairo Consort. So it'll be interesting to see how they jockey for position here into the first turn. Uh, but I, I, to me, it's the step up in class. However, if, if the eight wins, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't like the five. And this is this is a because I play Gulfstream every day reason. The horse that ran second Sri Lanka was like 46 to one that day. A monster number came back this weekend, was awful. The horse that ran third came back, did not run well at all in that race. So because of what's happened behind her and the prices they were in in that spot, I'm not as interested in Alpha Bella. Um, the, the eight Heavenly Sunday, I think, is a, a horse that I don't wouldn't knock for making a ticket. I thought the six, Velsara, was a little bit interesting for Michael Trombetta. He was the winner on that, the trainer on that 17-1 to Paco winner today. Got another big price here, 15-1. to They paid $205,000 for a Clint horse. What the? I could I, I couldn't even tell you what country he's standing in anymore. <laughs> I I mean, how many drunk people at that auction would have to be like hammered to actually get the bid up to two hundred five thousand? What do you think the second highest son or daughter of his has ever sold for? Uh, eight fifty in a six pack of PBR. <laughs> right, like it's like wild that they paid two fifty for this horse. And, and the debut not wonderful at Saratoga. The second race again not wonderful at Saratoga. But then the synthetic kind of woke the horse up a little bit. Thought actually ran pretty well at the Teppan. 
even though if you look at that race, there was a ton of trouble, comes back and wins over the synthetic again. Uh, it, clearly, this horse is better on turf with synthetic, and you can make enough excuses in the Teppan when we were 47 to 1 that the horse probably shouldn't have finished fourth. Now, is that enough for the horse to win? Nah. But I, if the six is one that I would include on underneath tickets if you're playing trifectas or superfectas. And you obviously hit the all button, so you're using it here. But if you spread here like crazy, the six, I think, is one you got to at least consider for your ticket. The six is the half horse that made me go, all right, I got to I just got to hit the all button here because I think if the Teppan, you don't have such a tough trip there, who knows what this horse could have done. Wasn't bet to do anything, but backed up the, the Turfway Park sprint with that nice win going two turns. Klimt is a 5% turf route sire, and he is currently standing in Turkey, supposedly. So, like I said, I couldn't even tell you where he's at, but uh, $400 US, what is that in Turkish doubloons? What do they use over there? I don't know. Figure that out. Someone in the chat figure it out for it. Pirate doubloons. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, somebody somebody in the chat figure out what do they use in Turkey. We'll move on. Fifth and final leg of the late pick five at Goldstream Park on Saturday, February 4th. Race 12, the one we've been all waiting for, the grade three holy bull stakes for eight three-year-old males going to mile and 16th on the dirt. 20 Kentucky Derby points to the winner, which you can't say about the other derby preparation running this week. Where are you going on top? Well, I know what they use in Turkey. Stuffing. Huzzah! <laughs> oh, man, I had to. Um, <laughs> we've talked so much about... Not, there you go. See, Dennis is right with me. Um, <laughs> we talked so much about not using Dale Roman's horses when they are wildly overbet. Well, guess what? We get to close the sequence using a Dale Roman's horse that's wildly overbet. Wait, no, we're not using it. I'm, I'm chucking out Cyclone Mischief here. want no interest in that horse. Uh, he may very well win by a pole, but at the price you're going to get in this race, I'll pass. I went to the eight. Rocket Can is my top pick. I thought the race last time out was solid. Uh, took a nice step forward in that spot. Little concerned, little concerned that Rocket Can didn't get by confidence game. And confidence game made me a little less confident after that last race down there in LeCompte, <laughs> running a, a third that was not wonderful considering who he beat uh, and how far back he was of the top two. But I do think Rocket Can has a good shot here. Bill Mopp been firing on all cylinders the last couple months, so you got to give him credit when he puts a horse in here. Spoiler alert, we'll talk about the other one. Uh, but I put the eight Rocket Can on top. What about you? Same. Yeah, I went Rocket Can on top as well. And, and it's not because we have him in the tr Racing Dudes Triple Crown Fantasy League. Like, I'm usually actually hesitant to take those horses most of the time unless his name is Epicenter. But uh, you you nailed all the right points. Mott and Alvarado, the, the Pegasus World Cup you know, jockey-trainer uh, combo, the fact that confidence game went gate to wire in that win that you talked about uh, in Rocket Can's last start, Rocket Can had to actually chase him down. Like he was three lengths behind in third. And then, you know, maybe he just, you know, Saez, I'm not knocking, maybe he just moved a touch too early to try and get closer to confidence game. And confidence game had been able to get away with some easy breather down the backstretch. So wasn't able to get by him, but definitely didn't give up once confidence game kind of dug in. Confidence game was a well-beaten third, but he was third in the LeCompte stakes to Winston Coffey, who is still in Aaron Halterman's top four or five for the you know the Kentucky Derby right now. He's he's right up there at the top of the division as far as the points go. So you can't knock you can't knock Winston Coffee too much for that. Uh, I went too deep. Um, oh, by the way, also keep in mind Gulfstream Park going to mile the sixteenth. We're stopping at the sixteenth pole, so you want horses and be a little more forwardly placed. I like his last the two times that he went to mile the sixteenth. Rocket can was right there engaged with the pace going into the far turn. So a good thing to have there. Uh, the other horse I used here, you also did on the rail, the one Lord Miles, Safi Joseph Jr. Uh, pulling out of his slump a little bit better than Rosario from last weekend. 
uh, gets Irad to ride and adds blinkers to this horse. The Mucho Macho Man, I didn't want anything to do with any of those other horses in there. It was a, a wacky race. They came home, um, the top two horses, they finished the quarter mile in 27 and a half seconds. Lord Miles' final quarter was literally one full second faster than the top two horses. He just was way too far back, but the, the kick that he had, it's not just that they all hit a wall. He was booking it as well. So um, I appreciate that out of him. I like that we're getting the blinkers. I like that we're getting Irad. Was there anything else that you liked? Broke out of the nine in that race too. Uh, nine posts going a mile at Gulfstream can be a little tough. You end up hung wide in the turn. I believe he was four wide around pretty much the whole turn trying to chase that pace. So uh, wide trip. Now we get to break on the rail, save ground on both turns, add blinkers. We should be a little more forwardly placed. And oh, by the way, there's a ton of speed in here. There's a <laughs> lot of horses that want to go forward. So I expect a pretty decent pace to close into uh, for both the one Lord Miles and the eight Rocket Can. Uh, other horse I used was the other Mott, the three horse Shadow Dragon. Um, a large reason was... Because there's another mod in here. Uh, this seems like a wildly aggressive placement for someone who does not wildly aggressive place horses. Uh, and you get, you call Jose Ortiz, you get him to pick up the mount. Uh, the first race was pretty good. Uh, Maiden special weight win at Aqueduct. Uh, horse that ran second, Looms boldly, came back to win, jumps up to a $200,000 stakes race, and does not run very well. So I realize that there's definitely some, th some things to be desired here. But right now, Bill Mott is pushing all the right buttons. Uh, this the son of Ar Army Mule, st who stands for $12,500, sold for $375,000. So you know they believe there's a ton of talent in here. And again, Belmont does not do this very often. He doesn't push horses where he doesn't when he doesn't think they have a chance to be good. And so the fact that we even show up here with Rocket Can makes me really intrigued at what we're going to see from the Three Shadow Dragon. Well, on top of that, the the fact that he's a New York bred and Mott does have a small string that he keeps behind at Aqueduct. He's got a New York bred down here running against Open Company and, and the New York bred stakes right now. The next one up is the Gander, which is the end of this month. So you could say, well, maybe he wanted to get a run in him. They're supposed to have the Withers this weekend. You know, the, the bad weather pushed the Withers to next weekend. But otherwise, if he was in New York, you know, maybe Mott didn't want to try and do nine furlongs. But this is a mile and the 16th. It's only a half furlong shorter. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting parts about this. And, and Jose Ortiz is 6 for 13 uh, with Bill Mott at Gulfstream Park. One of those seven losses was with uh, Obligatory, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, other than that, yeah, there's a, a, a very intriguing horse. I just, I think I would need to see a little bit more speed, but did get beat by the dominating Arctic Arrogance in the Sleepy Hollow. So no shame there. No, no, not at all. All right, should we talk about Cyclone Mischief? Yeah, it, it, give me a reason other than it's Dale Romans at a short price. Give me a, like... Another handicapping reason. Uh, ran a 90 buyer that he never run over an 80 last time out. I mean, if you take out the last race, is Cyclone Mischief the favorite in this race? No. I did, Rocket Can would be, I and, think. And so, like, right there is good enough reason for me. I, you also, we, we hyped up that race. The horses that we thought were good in that race were terrible. So then my next question is, who did he beat? <laughs> like, right. If you look too back, they went a mile and a 16th at Churchill. He runs a, a 79 buyer and finished seventh to Instant Coffee, who you just made fun of. Like Curly Jack, A-Strike, all beat him. If you look at it, if you go back and say, okay, let's let's just assume that the mile race at Gulfstream didn't happen. This horse is five to one, maybe seven to one. And now you're going to tell me I got, I got to swallow six to five just because Dale Roman said it's the best horse he's ever trained? Like, I... It just doesn't make sense to me, the price shift here uh, from one from A to B when your only data point is a one-turn mile at Gulfstream where he dusted a field that we don't think is that good. 
Yeah, uh, you look back through, it was Litigate, Mr. Ripple. Rudder's Men was the 6-5 to five favorite, and I think he's still trying to finish that race. You know, not not great, not great. But it, this horse also, you know, he's got the roller coaster effect. Debut, eh, he was third. He was beaten less than a length, but it wasn't anybody of, of real note. Then he wins next out, and then the Kentucky Jockey Club is crap. And then he wins next out. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't get quite a, a read on this horse other than at 2-1, to one, there are enough question marks that make me want to take a shot against him here. And one of them you, you nailed. He'd never had higher than a 79. Suddenly pops a, a 90 buyer, and it's not in the stakes races. He's bound to bounce off of that. He also had Lasix there. That was his first time with Lasix. He's not going to have Lasix in this spot because it's Kentucky Derby prep race. So, yeah, all, all good reasons, I think, to uh, to try and take a shot against one that neither of us used, a horse that I think technically should still be considered undefeated, the sixth Legacy Isle. Uh, he was disqualified from winning the Mucho Macho Man stakes going a mile over this course, but he really was, you know, up to that point, he'd won his first two starts, probably should have been named the winner there. Getting a jockey upgrade from Emicio Jaramillo to Luis Saez. Any any interest at all in the six here? The six was one of those where because, uh, like, if you go back and you look at, I'm more interested in the five than the six. I'll explain why. This There's there's a lot of speed in this race. And the six broke from the one post the Mucho Macho Man was able to get clear and get the lead and just kind of held because they're, they're, the other horses that were on the lead faded back a little bit. You had Lord Miles who was cruising like a freight, freight train but couldn't quite get there. The five was supposed to be one of the speed in that race. Had a terrible break, bobbled, fell back. I'm getting 10 to 1 versus 7 to 2. We're adding blinkers on the five as well. If I was going to pick one of these two, I would play the five over the six. Uh, it's tough because the race two back for the six Legacy Isle, 75K optional N2L, the horse doesn't run nearly as fast early and is able to show a little bit of a closing kick. I'm more scared of that horse two back than I am the last race that he ran but also needs to take a step forward to be able to beat this field. I mean, I, he ran, runs his career race last time out in the Mucho Macho Man, barely holds it a mile. Now we got to go a mile and 16th. Got a 73 for that race. Well, he probably needs to run at least an 81 or 82 to win this race. I, I'm not sure how you improve that much off of that start when I think you probably want the less distance, the mile versus the mile and 16th. Yeah, it's a... Uh... The, again, I talked about with Lord Miles, the fact that Legacy Island Dreaming of Kona, the top two finish in the Mucho Macho Man, came home a full second slower than Lord Miles was cooking in the stretch there. I, yeah, I think this horse is probably seven furlongs is, is about going to be his best range there, but not going to use him there. Uh, let me check the chat. Yeah, uh, Marla K likes uh, the six and the four there, so Marla's going completely against us. So Marla, you know, we like you. We just don't like you right now. We hope that you don't don't cash on that one there. Um what about West Coast Cowboy? We'll talk. We'll finish up with him real quick. Uh, Davey said I had West Coast Cowboy on the list before the draft, but yeah, it's a good thing you didn't draft him. Davey has been quite uh, impressive since then. But the uh, the other Safi, I guess, in here at twelve to one with his usual rider Zayas aboard. Yeah, you definitely don't want to draft anyone with Sonny Leone riding. Oh wait. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, West Coast Cowboy, another one who I think is probably pace dependent here. You look at that last race uh, where Legacy Isle won from coming off the pace. They went 22 and 4, 44, 45 and 2. Uh, West Coast Cowboy was kind of more forwardly placed in that spot or wanted to be more forwardly placed and just wasn't fast enough. You go back to the win, it was over slop. So I, I just a little concerned that this horse may like a little wetter track, may to want to be in front. And it's going to be tough for – it's not going to be a wet track. It's going to be sunny down in Florida. It has been pretty much the whole meet, which has been phenomenal, uh, but won't be able to make the lead. And I, I think that really is the biggest concern here. I, I feel like this one's just shooting a little bit too high and seeing if we can get some black type for hitting the board in a graded stakes, which is probably the, the peak ability here, the two West Coast Cowboys. <laughs> Nick says the uh, West Coast Cowboys in this race to ensure that the number one gets home this time. Yeah, 
could definitely turn out that way. All right, that's it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to talk about the late pick five at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, February 4th. Holy Bull Stakes Day. Aaron Holtzman did a full preview for the Holy Bull. It's available at youtube.com slash racing dudes. Uh, again, the Aqueduct had to cancel surprisingly before Thursday morning's card even got going. Uh, Friday and Saturday both canceled. They're going to move the Withers and the other stakes races to next Saturday, February 11th. So uh, we'll have to wait one more week for Arctic Arrogance. Hopefully Linda Rice doesn't let him get too fat. She says that if he just sits there and doesn't do anything, he gets fat. So no no fat AA batteries is what we need for this one. Uh, we'll go through and give our... What's that? I knew there was a reason I liked Arctic Arrogance. He gets fat easily? He just likes to sit there. Let the button, you know, let him do his thing. We'll give our tickets one last time. I'll start off. I'm going to single the seven, then go one, four, five with two, seven, nine. Hitting the all button for all nine in the uh, Phillies turf race, and then one, eight to close it out for $81. What's your ticket? I'm going to play a $54 ticket. I'm going to go seven with one, four, six, seven with three, six, eight with one, three, seven with one, three, eight. 54 bucks for 50 cents. Uh, this weekend, if you uh, if you enjoyed last weekend's Gulfstream Park coverage with Aaron and I and Mike Collin from Trackside, you'll get some of that fun. Aaron and I are going to be live again uh, this weekend uh, covering. We've got the prep for the Holy Bowl, the Robert B. Lewis Stakes, the uh, the Bob Baffert Open, literally at uh, San Diego Park. We're going to be covering both of those races in the live show. Uh, probably be live for the Forward Gal as well, which is an hour before the Holy Bowl. Yeah, probably like uh, four to six, uh, maybe. I haven't looked at what the times are, but Aaron's texting me. He thinks about four to six. But make sure you subscribe to YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes, and you'll be alerted every time that we go live, including with that or with your favorite show, The Magic Mike Show. Uh, Mike, what are you looking forward to the most this weekend? I know you got uh, some big days ahead. Uh, well, I'm not sure. Probably the, the getting to Oklahoma City this weekend is the thing I'm looking forward to most because that's the fun part of the drive. Once I get to Oklahoma City, leaving on Friday to drive across the country. Uh, Racing-wise, I actually like this Saturday card at Gulfstream. I went through the whole thing. The early part of the card is actually pretty solid as well. Um, I'm not going to be able to bet Sam Houston this weekend, so I can't say Sam Houston. I haven't looked at the card yet. I'm, I'm, I'm driving all day. I, I don't have time to be able to look at cars. I've got to spend eight hours in the freaking car every day. Um, it would be Sam Houston if it was. It would be Sam Houston if it was at night because then I would be able to play the races after I got to my said destination. But unfortunately, we got three more day cards before we switch over to those night races. So I'm going to stick with this Gulfstream card because the early part is as bettable as the late part. So I'm going to go Gulfstream Saturday. I just meant in general. I know you had, a, you had a big trip coming up, so wasn't sure. Wasn't sure what you're looking forward to the most. Um, I'm going to enjoy today and tomorrow. These might be my last days in the office alone for a little bit. The good news is my wife has got a script that she's going to write for Acapulco, which you need to watch on Apple+. Plus. But uh, that's the good news. The bad news is that she's going to be working from home, so I have to yeah, I, I have to start behaving. I start wearing pants again. I have to wear headphones. Like I don't know which one I'm more upset about having to wear, actually, now that I think about it. That's why you did your hair, right? That's why you're looking all slick there. Got to spruce it up before this one. Remember also, by the way, Mike and I are defending the Holy Bull title because this boy right here, Wade Barrio, got to hype him up. He got the Holy Bull stakes win on the way to winning the Florida Derby. No, well, I better go clean up whatever that was. It just fell. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Killord. He's at SummerBomb18, number one, number eight. Remember, Aaron and I will be live on Saturday, February 4th, covering the last few races here at Gulfstream Park and the Robert B. Lewis stakes. Uh, we'll be holding down the <laughs> we'll be holding down the fort here, but uh, and then we'll be back on. Are we able to do a Monday show? Is that feasible for you? Yeah, we'll do a Monday show. We'll do a Monday show. We'll figure it out. We'll see you back here on Monday. Until then, I'm Magic and I'm Mike. Good luck this weekend.
The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.